Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On today's show, we preview the Hornets versus the Blazers and tell you what you need to watch out for if the Hornets are going to bounce back. And since the Hornets are playing the Blazers, it's time to do a show check on the trade that brought Nick Batum from Portland to Charlotte. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on, Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Wednesday, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis and your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker, who is distraught right now that they are considering doing a remake of a classic, White Men Can't Jump. Can nothing live? Can just nothing live on its own and let it be, Doug? Billy Hoyt. Oh my gosh. They misspelled misspelled his name in in the release. Not off to a great start. We, yeah, I don't know if that was, was the release or the writer, um, but you well, know, listen, normally, they released norm- information, and that's why they wrote about it. These things don't happen by accident. Norm- David. Let me <laughs> let me let me let me peel back a the curtain for you. The curtain in the biz—that's what they call it, in the biz—a release. Um, you know, usually I, I must be getting older, Doug. Usually, I'm all in favor of, of more of a good thing of of remakes. You know. Um, of course I was saddened by the point break remake, but I was also curious to watch it, um, until I watched it. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like the people behind it are, are smart people though. So maybe it, it will be okay. The Ryan Khalil. People. We've got the smartest Ryan, people. <laughs> we've got the best people. And, uh, Ryan Khalil's involved. Some of the folks from blackish are involved. Blake Griffin, I think is involved. So, I mean, all funny people from what I know about them. Um, it's just, you know, uh, yeah, you know, if, we'll see. if I could remake one basketball Ooh. film, I, I already know the answer. It is, it is Celtic pride in, in the original, oh if you remember David, uh, Celtic super fans played by Daniel Stern from home alone and Dan uh-huh. Aykroyd kidnap an opposing player played by Damon Waynes, I believe is the correct one. Right. Senior, senior, senior. That's right. They have to make that distinction now because junior is doing fine work. Um, they kidnap an opposing player to help their team win. Okay. So mm-hmm. in, in my remake, here's what I would do. The bulls and the Clippers front office would take turns kidnapping Carmelo Anthony in an effort to try to convince him to waive his no trade clause. And help their team Interesting. win. Interesting premise. I, I mean, don't it makes know, as much sense. It's it, you would be tough to call that Celtic pride too. You have to find some other Carmelo pride, maybe. It's always interesting how they pick your teams for this thing. Obviously, the Celtics had to be part of Celtic the pride, but then I believe that Damon Williams played for the Jazz, <laughs> yeah, which weird. you know, um, yeah, they probably went and shopped licensing and said, and the Jazz just were like, okay, fine, we'll give you a good deal. 
Uh, but let's go back to Carmelo. I, I think this whole situation around him meeting with Phil and now he's going to stay with the team despite everything that happened. Like, what's going on here, David? I mean, it just feels like Carmelo has like Stockholm syndrome almost. Like he's staying in New York despite everything that's happened. I think it's not unlike a lot of people, Doug, that are happy with a lot of things about their job, right? But, you know, just it's not working out when it comes to results and basketball, sports, results-driven business, obviously. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I thought the Bulls would be a, a burning, flaming disaster this year. The Knicks certainly had the potential for that, but they've taken the title so far through the first half of the year for sure. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. All right, we're going to do a preview of this game coming up against the Portland Trailblazers tonight in Charlotte. But first, we want to talk about an interesting question surrounding Kimball Walker's all-star chances. And the question is, will this, this recent slide that the Hornets are on right now affect his all-star chances. If you'll remember last year, the Hornets uh, did perform poorly heading into all-star voting, and some speculated that it could have affected Kimball Walker's chances to make that all-star game. David, we'll send it to you as our uh, PhD in all things all-star. Do you think that this year's slide will affect his ability to make the all-star roster? Well, it certainly can't help, clearly, obviously, right? And one of the things we highlighted uh, way back in the beginning of the season, we're halfway through the season, Doug, by the way, we're halfway through the season. Um, at the beginning of the season was that for Kimba to make the All-Star game, he had to continue to play well, and the team had to be competitively, you know, aggressive. They had to be up in the top four, challenging for that home court, which they were <laughs> until recently, but they had to be in the mix. I mean, and you could technically still say they're in the mix now, but they've certainly fallen off. And yeah, it did hurt him last year. I think he's got a couple things going for him this year that he did not have last year. One, the notion that he should have made it the previous year. Now, it's funny to look back, Doug, because I knew he was in the mix last year. I don't exactly remember him being um, talked about the whole way through, right? Like he was playing really well and he had come on, but I still think there was this feeling of, well, let's see if he can keep it going because he had made the jump and his, his, his stats were certainly up, but um, he was playing well enough to make it, but like last year, I really felt like Isaiah Thomas was the main snub, and I think he got in on an on an injury replacement, if I recall correctly. So it has a, a little different feel for me this year. I think con- consistency throughout the year this year um, is the same as last year, but now he's done it over a year and a half, right? And I think the guys he's going up against, Wall, um, Isaiah Thomas. Um, some of the other point guards. Kemp has been one of the more consistent point guards since the season has started, so that's going in his favor. Um, also, it's a guards league now, so putting six guards on that team would reflect that and would not be out of the question. The Hornets got off to a hot start this year, so he's had the buzz, if you will, the entire time. And finally, the people see him, the people uh, around the NBA see him as really the only offensive option on the Hornets right now, and they don't see other guys contributing. They see Kimba doing a lot of the work, a lot of the heavy lifting. And uh, I think that all that goes into his favor. The problem is <laughs> he's probably six in the eyes of most of these voters. The team has slid. They're now below 500, which is never good for your all-star chances and out of the playoff race. But, Doug, according to Zach Lowe, media ballots were due at 5 p.m. I'm assuming that's Eastern 
Monday. That would have been well before the Hornets were beaten in Boston and Isaiah Thomas exploded all over the Hornets and Kimball Walker and put them in ninth place and below 500. So maybe some of that helped. You just got to hope that a lot of those ballots were filled out kind of during the slide as opposed to at the very end of the slide. But uh, it's not going to help him. I'm hoping that the book was already written before that slide was complete. All good points, David. So, do, you know, you make you make some good points for Kimba being okay, and but you also make some other points for Kimba not being okay. Where do you stand right now? Do you? Think, I don't know, Doug. <laughs> you know, I, I'm honestly I'm starting to think because I always, you know, I hear everyone saying, "Oh, yeah, they could put six, they could put six guards in, they could they could select all these point guards, the starters. That's where they're landing right now." And I think whenever that starts to happen, the NBA always pulls the rug out from underneath those thoughts and puts a bunch right. of forwards in. So I'm leaning towards Kimba Walker backing into the all-star game through injury replacement, because I think if he doesn't get in through the, uh, through the reserve method and the coaches selection, that, then I think if, if one player decides to sit out, I, I think that um, Adam Silver will have no choice but to put Kimba Walker in because there has been that buzz. Have you zeroed in on who would that be? Any idea? Well, if 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 uh, Dwayne Wade makes doesn't make the starters, but is mm-hmm. given a selection, sort of one of these, maybe the no players. Way. You don't think so? Maybe just like a no. veteran, like, hey, it's your last sort of a Michael Jordan, so. Magic Johnson kind of deal. You don't think that's going to happen? So. I don't. I don't think they will do that this year. I mean, it's possible, right? But I don't see that happening with all the buzz around these, especially these five starting point guards. And we've highlighted, you know, the wing position really can be filled out with the front court players as well. So you don't have to have shooting guards in there. DeMar DeRozan is probably the best shooting guard out there right now uh, by pure definition. So I just think it's going to be tough with those five guards playing at all-star level to knock one of them out for a Dwayne Wade who, you know, has set out some games, um, is not the Dwayne Wade of old. Again, I want to emphasize that being knocked out by Dwayne Wade any year is nothing to you know feel shame over. You know what I mean? Like that's a legacy vote. He's an all-time uh, player in this league, so it would be disappointing, but you know nothing to be you know throw your hands up about. But I don't think I don't see him getting in if he doesn't get the the, uh, the fan and the and the media player. Well, vote. and it's hard to predict because the All Star Weekend is not until February seventeenth, so a lot True. you know injuries can happen between now True. and then, or players deciding that they need to rest up for for the run. Uh, but NBA All Star starters are announced Thursday night. And all-star reserves will be selected by head coaches and will be announced on the 28th. And, you know, I see, I see tweets and, and people commenting that it matters to head coaches uh, in terms of their selections that they select players on winning teams. So, yep. I, you know, I, I think it's foolish to think that, it's, that the current record of the Hornets right now is not going to affect Kimball Walker's all-star chances, especially when it comes to the reserves. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a good uh-huh. point. That's a good point because the coaches still have some say in this, and the Hornets need to rebound <laughs> to, to have some effect on that. And they've got some time because they have this five game homestand coming up, and it starts uh, tonight against the Portland Trail Blazers. The Hornets taking on the eighteen and twenty five Blazers tonight in Charlotte. The first of two regular season matchups between these two teams. Uh, the Blazers are eighteen and twenty five, but they are the eighth seed in the West. 
there's a huge drop off in the West, David. Sixth and seventh seed are 25 and 18. And then you have the Blazers sitting at 18 and 25 in eighth place. Behind them in ninth place are the Nuggets at 16 and 23. So there's a huge difference between six and seven and eight in the West. Um, both of these teams right now on a slide. The Hornets, of course, they went 0-5 on their road trip, including losses to the Pistons and the Sixers. Meanwhile, the Blazers are having a hell of a time right now with the Southeast Division. They lost 115-109 to to the Magic a few days ago and 120-101 to to the Washington Wizards in their last game. And it's weird, you know, I was reading up on the, on the Blazers and the struggles that they've had this season and the struggles that they've had recently, and I think that these te- teams are oddly similar. I mean, they're, they're dominated by the two guards, uh, Lillard and McCollum for the Blazers, Kemba and Batum for the Hornets. And the teams are both struggling defensively. And, and, and it's inexplicable because both teams succeeded last year where a lot of people didn't think that they would succeed. So very similar situations going on between these two teams. Yeah, McCollum and Lillard are legit. I mean, Portland's 5-1 and one when both of those guys score 30 points. <clears throat> so clearly, the game. <laughs> clearly, that's a key. Charlotte can't let, let that happen. Um, yeah, that would be my key. If I could, if you want a key for me, Doug, don't let them score 30 points. Um, but I'll tell you what, though, when you're talking about all-star point guards, uh, Damian Lillard, I mean, he's probably not going to make the West team, which is kind of surprising. Um, given you know just how how good he's been over the past couple of years, he's kind of used to getting snubbed. Whether it's the you know the, the Olympic team or, or sometimes the All Star uh, voting, I don't think he got placed in <clears throat> right away by Adam Silver. Are they punishing him for his defense? I mean, his defense is not good. I mean, Kimba plays better pick and roll defense than yeah. Damian Lillard. Um, well, this year, I mean, I think that, you know, if they would be punishing them because of the, the team record, right? I mean, maybe some because of, because of the defense, but Isaiah Thomas doesn't play any defense either. No, oh, that's true. But, uh, but, you know, I, yeah, I mean, but no, you make a good point, but Isaiah Thomas is carrying a winning team. True. It's, yep. It feels like that's, a, it's, it's so silly that we, because the, the reasons that a team wins are so varied versus the reasons that an individual player plays well and, but this is an individual selection. It just seems weird that we make that a a factor. What's that? That the, the winning team factor. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's somewhat of an old school view, but I mean, it makes sense. Um, they're going to reward winning, especially if it gets close, right? Especially if you're splitting hairs. Which, let's be honest, I mean, especially with these five point guards, you're splitting hairs to some degree. Because I mean, up until. Even last week, I think you could have made an argument for any of those five to start. And that's that's including Kemba. I mean, the slide notwithstanding, it's like those guys have played well enough and they're close enough in their averages. Uh, and Kemba, I think, does get the nod for consistency with a lot of folks when they look at what he's done from the beginning of the year on. So um, the team winning, and that's just always going to be a thing. I don't think it's ever going anywhere. All right, let's get back to Portland. Um, This is a team, look, the Hornets pick and roll defense is going to have to be in top shape because the Blazers are second in the league behind Toronto and how effective they are with pick and roll ball handler plays, which makes sense because you have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum who can kill you inside and out. They they love to probe the defense with their handle and and pick you apart that way. They, They run a lot of weave action 
and and you'll see it and you'll know it, it looks like your it looks like basket weaving because they're just handoff dribble handoff dribble they'll do it three or four times before they finally start to attack you and it's almost like like you watch them and, and the way they run the action it's sort of like a boxer sizing you up they're making your defense move left to right and then whenever uh, Lillard or McCollum or even Crab get the ball in their hands they're going to look for that one guy who hasn't quite moved over enough, and then they'll attack you. Um, they, they just like to create chaos. And um, Lillard and McCollum are both experts at splitting defenders. And the only way, it's because they're so quick, they're lightning quick, and they can get through you before you know it. And the only way to, to really battle that is to uh, sag down and communicate. It's got to be constant communication on defense or it's not going to work. And I know the, the Hornets in the last practice, they ran through a ton of film um, talking about mistakes that they've made on defense the past couple of games. And I'm sure they went through a ton of film on Portland's offense, which hasn't really changed that much this year from, from last year. So they're going to see a similar Portland team when they come to town tonight. Yeah, I mean, are you already having nightmares about these pick and roll scenarios with, with I mean, the big guys? No, do you see? No, I, I just think it's a good test. It's a great test. Mm-hmm. Like if it's if it truly is about um, little things and technique things, uh, and, yeah. and if it's about that, then they've they've set themselves up. When you hear them talk about that, they watched a ton of film that you know in practice. Okay, now you know they're ready for it. So now I'm going to hold you accountable. I think the Hornets are going to be accountable defensively for their performance tonight. They've had some rest. They had a day off. Uh, it's put up or shut up time now for this Hornets defense, and they'll sure. have a great test against Portland. Because look, the offense has played better, and they're going to have plenty of opportunities to score against this Portland defense because although they they are blocking a weird amount of shots lately, they've got three players right now in the past 10 games that are averaging over a block a game, I think it's uh, Plumlee, uh, Mo Harkless, and C.J. McCollum. Uh, so uh-huh. two, a guard and a small forward uh, blocking a lot of shots. But um, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to score against this leaky perimeter defense against uh, Portland. But they've got to prove that they can handle two lightning quick guards. It's going to be tough, but you got to do it. Yeah, you look at that game the other day they played in Washington. You know what time that tipped <laughs> For uh, for Portland, it's like 11 a.m. Oh, jeez. Because, you know, I think it was like, I guess it was a 1 o'clock tip here or East Coast time, right? Um, or maybe a 2 o'clock tip. But at 11 o'clock, their time. And, and of course, they got blown out of 120 to 101. Um, and Wall and Beal combined for 49 points. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the Blazers are what, like 28th, uh, I think, ranked defense in the league. Um, top 10 in offense. So, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the, the Hornets have got to get back to doing something the Hornets way, right? They've got to get back to Steve Clifford's style of play. They've got to lock in and play 48 minutes. This is stuff they've been talking about forever. I mean, how long does this go on? Because well, it's about controlling the basketball, and it's so important against Damian Lillard and against C.J. McCollum, controlling the ball in terms of not letting the offense move your defense where they want you to go so that they can attack you in the opposite direction. It's about making their offense move where you want them to go so that you can best contain it. 
and, and that's what they're going to be focusing on. Uh, one, one guy I want to point out, this is kind of my key to the game, is to, this is going to sound weird, David, stay with me, leave uh-huh. Evan Turner open from beyond oh the arc. God. Le- just yeah. leave him open. And, and, you know, you hate to leave anyone open, but um, he's shooting a little better this month, 37% versus under 30 in December, but he's not shooting many threes. Yeah, you, you can't, don't be too aggressive, don't overreact if um, if Evan Turner is open from three because he's got a good pump fake and he wants to get inside. He wants to get um, to the rim where he can finish really effectively so don't overreact. Make him take a step inside and take. Don't let him get to his spot, which is um, baseline jumper, uh, elbow. Those are his. Those are his spots. You got to keep him away from there. But I, I just think you know guard guard players to where they've shown you that they can hit a shot. And Evan Turner, let him take threes all night long if he wants to. Um, but I think if you can, yeah. if you can get, he's been wildly inconsistent with his scoring. And if you can make him score six, seven points as opposed to 16, 17, then you've shaved 10 points off of Portland's total and you've got a good chance to win this ballgame. Man, interesting signing offseason for Portland. I mean, they brought in Evan Turner, which has not really worked out. A lot of money nope. given to the guys that they already had, right? Like Crab. Um, and I think they're in a, a period of, of self reflection too, right? I mean, they're trying to figure out, hey, are we going to move forward with Lillard and McCollum? There's a lot of noise out there. Can you do that? I mean, that's a lot of talent in that backcourt to give up on. But I mean, what are they going to do out west with you know where they stand right now? Because they still need a, they really still need a big man answer. I don't think Plumlee is mm-hmm. going to be the answer for them. And and they've got more production out of Mo Harkless, who is a player to keep an eye on in this game. He's had a breakout year for the Blazers since being a castaway from the Magic. He's averaging 11 points, five rebounds. Had a rough night against the Wizards, returning off of, of a calf injury, wasn't able to score any points, but he'll he'll be. I think he'll be fully recovered in this game. So uh, he's a player to watch as well uh, in this Portland Trailblazers starting lineup. Uh, here's a final stat to know, David: the Hornets are nine and thirty-eight when they allow teams to score more than a hundred points. The Hornets have allowed teams to score one hundred plus in the last eight games. The Blazers have scored one hundred plus in their last seven games so if you want a key to the game it's to somehow try to keep this portland offense from scoring 100 points here's a question david if looking ahead let's look to the future in this homestand if the hornets somehow turn things around and they go five and oh maybe they go four and one in this homestand what's what's the headline uh in the charlotte observer uh, what's what's been the biggest difference? What's been the biggest change in this Hornets team uh, if they go five and zero in this homestand? Five and zero in this homestand. Now let's or four and one. real quick. You know okay. they just do so, well. <clears throat> so let's look at those teams real quick. Portland tonight, <laughs> Toronto Friday, Brooklyn Saturday, the Wizards on Monday, and you're including Golden State in there. That's that's your four and one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Um, well, I think for the first thing, well, a couple of things, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, but I think they've got to get back to playing the type of defense that helps them win games. Um, and that means in key situations, and that's something you hit on the other day is closing out quarters. They can't give up these little mini runs uh, to end quarters. They've got to stay locked in and stay focused. Uh, mentally and physically tough to complete those quarters. And the big and 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 aside from that, for me, I mean, Nick Batum, I think he's got to score a little more. Um, we looked at it the other day; had eight points to go with ten rebounds and ten assists. 
But the reason Kimball Walker is getting so much respect from everyone around the league for his offensive production is because he doesn't have any help. And and I know Nick Batum was not re-signed here to, to score night in and night out. He creates. We've highlighted all the stuff he does well for this team. But look, he's making over $100 million. He's a cornerstone on this team. They brought him in to contribute in a lot of ways. And right now, the way they need him to do uh, that is by scoring the basketball when Kimball Walker cannot. And that means just hitting open shots. So I think he's got to get back on track uh, for the health of this team, you know, over this five game homestand and the rest of the season. I think the headline, well, here are a couple headlines. Uh, Marvin Williams is back. I think Marvin Williams yeah. has to, has to play a lot better because they need him defensively as much as they need him offensively. And I think he plays, I think it's just natural players, uh, when they're knocking down shots and they're feeling confident, they get an extra boost on defense. I think Marvin Williams is, is certainly, uh, one of those players, and so they're going to need his defensive energy as much as they will need his offense. So I think Marvin Williams is going to be a big part if the Hornets uh, get get things back in the right direction with this homestand, and I think MKG as well. I think uh, we need to see it. We need to. We desperately need to see a headline about how MKG is impacting games. And I'm not talking about offense. I'm not talking about hitting threes. I'm just talking about making plays. <laughs> I'm talking about making plays in critical situations and games that are worthy of headlines. Uh-huh. You know, making making a steal and a and a transition bucket in in a possession that that turns the game around. I mean that those are the kind of plays that the Hornets need from MKG, uh, and, and they need to be headline plays. So uh, hopefully they can get that and and get this thing going back in the right direction. But I think Marvin Williams, MK, I don't think it's about. Look, I think Kimba and Nick Batum and Kimba had a bad second half against Boston. I think they'll rectify that against Portland. Uh, I think you're going to see these uh, two tandems, Kimba and Batum versus uh, versus uh, Lillard and McCollum, and I think Kimba and Nick are going to have the advantage uh, offensively, and, and I think they'll be able to contain uh, Lillard and McCollum a little better than most. So, and who knows, the Hornets may go MKG on McCollum, but uh, I just think they'll have a good opportunity to get back on track. Um, But I think it's about some of these auxiliary players stepping up for the Charlotte Hornets and and finishing plays and finishing quarters. That's what it's going to be about. Yeah. Hey, Doug, quick question for you. You brought up MKG, and Rick Bunnell pointed out in his summary uh, yesterday, I think, after the Boston game, that you know he really hasn't looked the same consistently night in, night out after the two shoulder injuries. And if you think about it, this is the first season he's really been able to play like the whole way through, right? I mean, every other year he's been nicked up and banged up. I, I mean, I just wonder if that's some sort of adjustment for him, right? Because, I mean, it has been a little in spurts and a little broken up by injury, you know, his, the previous seasons. And right now he's, he's been healthy, which is great. I just wonder if there's a little bit of an adjustment, whether it's, like you know, stamina-wise or, I don't know, being used to being out there because we're not seeing the same consistent defensive performance that we've seen over the last few years. Well, we're not seeing the same aggressive offense that we saw from him earlier in this season. I mean, he would start the game off with three or four possessions and taking shots. Uh, And so we've seen a a little bit of a different MKG now than we saw at the beginning of the season. I think that without a doubt. And I think you make a great point. You know, we hear all the time about Jeremy Lamb and uh, his battles with 
playing an 82-game season and managing the body and managing your stamina and getting your sleep and how little things can impact uh, your performance, uh, little things off the court can impact your performance on the court. And uh, I I think it's it's definitely a valid question. And and the Hornets are going to need, they don't need uh, MKG uh, running around, crashing around the court every night to win, um, but they need a consistently uh, performing MKG on defense. And I think that's been the most surprising thing is seeing MKG make little mistakes on defense. Uh, I, th- yes. I think back to the final, one of the final nails in the coffin in that Houston Rockets game was because MKG completely bit on a screen and uh, Harden was able to cross him up and, and run him right into the screen. And it's just a play that, like, it's just baffling when you look at it. You go, "Wait a minute, that was MKG uh, getting getting hit on that play." That's a it was it was uh, Nick Batum esque, and and right. you don't expect that from MKG. It's curious, right? And you look back, Doug. So last year, only played seven games. Year before that, uh, appeared in fifty five games. He's already appeared in forty games this year. Uh, you know, so I mean, that's. Uh, a big gap and a big layoff for still a young guy who's, you know, not a young guy. He's been in the league five years now. So, so he knows the ropes. He knows what's going on. I just think there may be something to getting used to playing a full season because he, you know, never really done it. Well, something to keep an eye on for sure. Hey, you wanted to do a, a Rich Cho check in Portland with uh, Noah Vonley, a name that, yeah. that many Hornets fans remember. Yes, uh, you should. As you should remember, he was here not too long ago. So a quick show check. Let me take you back a few years, Doug, and you check my history on this. But at the time, the Hornets were still looking to upgrade that two-guard position as they had been for many, many years. So they finally found someone to uh, take Gerald Henderson off their hands, and they shipped Noah Vonley, a promising, if unproven, rookie, out to Portland. For um, They shipped him and Gerald Henderson out for Nick Batum. Uh, Nick Batum coming off a down year that year in Portland, dealing with a bit of an injury issue. Um, and we fast forward a couple more years to today, if you will. Noah is playing, Doug, listen to this. Okay. One one more minute per game this year than he did in Charlotte. Wow. I mean, that's about all you need to hear at this point, don't you think? Still averaging about three points a game, which is about his career average, and just has not been able to crack wow. his starting rotation. Isn't that crazy? Well, it's. I mean, it's kind kind of crazy, but then it's kind of not. It's crazy to hear. It's crazy well, to hear. But I mean, if you watch, you never see him play. Well, and at the time when the trade happened, and people were up in arms about the Hornets allowing this, um, you know, prospect with a high ceiling to slip out of their fingers, I kept saying, like, number one, the, the Hornets didn't have the development structure that they have now, and it's still building. Uh, with the Greensboro Swarm, but they didn't have that then. But number two, you heard all of these questions about, uh, and this was when they were trying to trade him. And so, but you still heard people leaking things like he doesn't know that they were having trouble teaching him fundamental things about right. about NBA basketball. And right. you know, when you hear those things, and and then you you couple that with um, everything that you hear this season uh, is that. The reason they bring players in now is because they have high basketball IQ, and you know, and so th- that's why it was never going to work with Noah Vonley because they want players that really, when they come into the organization, they already have 
a, a, a real a real good found solid foundational level of basketball IQ. Noah Vonley didn't have that, and so uh, they moved Noah. So yeah, I mean, this has to be yeah. a, this has to be an absolutely one hundred percent show nose because as you said, one more minute in Portland, he's not been uh, the boon for them that I think they thought he was going to be when they made the trade. No, and he played, you know, about 15 minutes per game last year, uh, appeared in almost every game last year. So I think there was a little hope that he might be blossoming somewhat. But, I mean, he, he still can't shoot. Um, that three-point shot, you know, is never developed. And like I said, he's averaging three points a game. He averaged three points a game in Charlotte. <laughs> he averaged three and a half points a game last year. Points aren't everything, but the impact is just not being seen. And you mentioned some of the reactions to that, Doug, which I'm glad you did. Um, I looked up a couple of the grades. Now, we don't want to be too harsh on you know instant reaction to grades sure from trades sure a couple of years ago, but I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to get I'm going to tell you what the Blazers grade was, um, and this is from Sports Illustrated. Pretty Blazers pretty reputable, pretty reputable rag. Yeah, the, the Blazers got a B plus. Give me your Hornets grade. Uh, C minus. C plus. Well, unbelievable. C plus. Isn't Nick, that insane? Unbelievable. Nick Batum, five tool play. I mean. Yeah, I think that, of course, again, the, the injury was a concern at the time. The contract was the biggest thing. I mean, that's what we heard around here, right? Are they going to be able to keep him? Are they going to be able to sign him? And then the the Vonley promise of, of improved play, I think, was the other thing. But there were some um, folks out there that gave better grades to the Hornets, of course. But I think ESPN also gave the Hornets like a C or a C+. Plus. But, but you make a great point. Nobody believed at the time that the Hornets were going to be able to keep Nick no. Batum. Even the, even in the season, right? Where do we hear? Oh, Toronto. Uh, he's going to sign in Toronto. I mean, that's a, that's a major player for Nick Batum moving into the last offseason. So, yeah, a, a great move by Cho and the Hornets there. Um, regardless of when you think about how Batum is performing or playing or adding to the team this year. I was going to say, right I was going to say, all right, great, uh, great points there on Nick Batum. Great acquisition. Right, moving, get your moving, stuff together. Yeah, moving on to our next topic. Nick Batum, get your stuff together. <laughs> Play better. Nobody's ever satisfied. We can't, that's that's the one rule. We can't ever be satisfied. And of course, Gerald, Gerald Henderson is in Philadelphia. Is now in Philadelphia. Just, just to round yeah. out that. Yep, there you go. So, all right. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow with a recap of this game against the Portland Trailblazers. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Blazers. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go place with the helpful hardware folks it's ace's biggest led light bulb sale of the year right now buy one get one free on our best-selling led light bulbs our four pack of led bulbs is 9.99 and our two pack of led floodlights is only 12.99 buy one get one free there's no limit on how much you can save so stock up now hurry in buy one get one free on long-lasting 10-year led bulbs now through monday only at your neighborhood ace see participating stores for details